Welcome to episode 41 of 1530. So today we're going to be discussing the tennis world's kind of sad, dealing with Federer and Nadal and actually Djokovic as well. All three of them are dealing with injuries in one form of another. We know Federer is not going to play the rest of the season, nor Nadal, because Federer is going to get his third knee surgery on the same knee. Nadal is dealing with nagging foot injuries, and Djokovic says he's dealing with multiple injuries. So I wonder if that's his shoulder that's always acting up, possibly his wrist as well. But I just want to ask the question, right? Is this, is this the end of an era? So we're going to be discussing the number of points and the toll that's taken on these players' bodies. They're amazing players, but they're not. They're not, they're not gods. They're not even demigods. So eventually they will have to fade while their time will always win. So we want to talk, talk about the toll tennis is taking on the body and kind of looking at the number of points they played, maybe looking, you know, toward the future, extrapolating, especially if Djokovic and Nadal can play as long as at least Federer has. We'll look at that. But we also need to talk about the U.S. Open because even if Djokovic doesn't play very well or pulls out or maybe he wins the calendar slam, I don't know, but I... Uh, we'll we'll talk about who we're who we're we're picking as far as who's playing pretty well going into the hard court swing. There has been some good tennis, so we want to discuss that as well. So that's what we got on tap for tonight for episode forty-one. And like we said last time, right? We're all we're all equalized. Djokovic is now with twenty slams, so twenty 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 three way tie. Welcome to fifteen thirty. Now introducing your hosts Ben and Matt. But let's go ahead and get started with the stat of the day. So the stat of the day is 93%. And so that was Alexander Zverev. He just won the Cincinnati Masters title over Andre Rublev. And he won 93% of his first serve points, which is incredible. Um, sometimes when you see a number like that, you wonder, is he playing against maybe another big server, someone that can't move around very well? And Rublev maybe isn't known for the greatest defense, but he's been pretty solid as of late. He can still move around the court. Zverev has just been serving lights out is really what it comes down to. And I think he's one, if he can play at this level and really use his serve and dictate with those ground strokes, he can he can go really far. And we saw that. We really want to talk about the run he's been on, not only at the Olympics, but at Cincinnati. He had to beat a lot of really good players. So we'll talk about that. But Matt, any thoughts on on where tennis is heading? I mean, we got the young guys, we got the older, established guys that maybe aren't aren't going to be able to hold hold the majors. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting. I I think it's funny. We've been talking about the big three being overtaken for so long, and even now, where we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, you know, maybe something is finally happening. It's not because. I don't know. Maybe this is bad to say. It's not because the players coming up are incredible. You know, obviously they're incredible players, but it's not that they're beating them consistently on their own talent. It's that these guys' bodies have been put through so much that their bodies are giving up on them. And so they're not able to compete to the level that they're, they've become known for. And so I think that'll be interesting. I think that in the future, we'll always look back at this and say, man, the big three were so good that, you know, the only people that could beat them were themselves. You know, you have every, you know, every now and then a, a fantastic match and some really solid players coming up, Medvedev and Sissipas and a couple others that now consistently and, you know, in the past couple of years have consistently um, put up a good fight against the big three. But I think ultimately we're going to look at this and say, 
they just got to a point where their bodies gave out on them. And so they couldn't play anymore instead of, wow, look at these people that came up and just totally dethroned them. But maybe that's wrong. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting. Several people pointed that out, right? That when Djokovic is playing well, I mean, even when he's not playing well, the only one that can beat him is himself or maybe someone like a Stan Wawrinka who's playing lights out offense. Yeah. Be Federer back when he could play a little bit more offense. And Nadal's in every point, right? He's a very tough out. He can be beaten by, again, a very, very offensive player. And then Federer, you know, very solid player. And usually it's more Djokovic and Nadal that are getting him. But more and more with the injuries, like you're saying, it's more of a more of attrition. He's just not able to stay in it. So pretty sad on that account. But I, I think I definitely agree with you that uh, we, we might be telling our kids and grandkids about about this era of tennis that, you know, we got to witness the greatness of Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. And when they played, they played lights out. So yeah, I think it could be really, really interesting. You know, we'll be showing them YouTube clips and we'll say, yeah, that was Federer. You know, we got to watch him, you know, he got to play against Nadal multiple times, Djokovic, because there might only be one of those players might be once in a generation. Right. And maybe, maybe Zverev is that guy. Maybe Medvedev is that guy, but I don't know if all three, you know, Medvedev, Zverev, and Tsitsipas can get multiple slams right. and push each other like the big three have. And like I said, I don't think we'll ever see another group like the big three. We might see a better player, but as a collective group, I think I can I can pretty confidently say I don't see I don't think we'll see an era of tennis like this again. I agree. I think the ADP is about to become similar to the WTA, which where you see a lot of volatility. Um, People constantly yeah. changing rankings and constantly new winners, which isn't necessarily bad. You know, it's 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 yeah, nice maybe to it's see more faces and good to see competition. Yeah, no, maybe you're right. Because yeah. I remember, I can't remember who it was. It was Brad Gilbert or one of the experts? Like, oh, who do you have for the U.S. Open for the women or whatever it was? Wimbledon. He's like, I could pick twelve women that could do it. You know, right or more. Yep. And like you're saying, with the men, you don't really do that. Yep. I mean, you have some dark horses that can go far. Um, besides the Stan Wawrinka or Del Potro in the past or uh, Chilich, it really has been Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, right? right? Murray when he was when he was healthy. So, yeah, like you're saying, it'll maybe maybe be more interesting, maybe be more like college basketball or something, where you never know who's can uh, can cut down the nets. But but I don't know. I think in some ways the fans like to have the established players, the Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. So I don't know. And maybe maybe the fans maybe the fans feel differently. I'm not sure, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of it is that the big three have just, you know, we, we grew up with that. They've been around for so long that that's all we know. You know, I barely remember Agassi, barely remember Sampras. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that'll be part of what'll be interesting to see is these three have been so established for so long that multiple generations, that's what they know when they know tennis. And yep. so it'll be sad for everyone, I'm sure, when these guys finally say, you know, I'm done, but find somebody else to love and somebody else to hate. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I've already seen that with myself, you know, watching the the Medvedev. And we'll, we'll cover the stats here in a moment <clears throat> for Medvedev and Zverev. It was a very fun, very up and down match. It kind of had the feel of two rivals. You know, these guys could be very established rivals and years come. They've already played each other several times. and. I think CC Pass owns the head to head, but not by a lot. And Zverev was able to turn that match on ahead, and it was very high quality points, just contrasting styles. CC Pass getting into net more, you know, 
a little bit of Tsitsipas, a little bit of that Federer-esque. So I, I already saw myself rooting for Tsitsipas a little bit as a Fed fan. So like you're saying, maybe we'll find new favorites and, ha- and still enjoy the game because it's a beautiful game. And exactly. there'll, be, there'll be other players that will play it well and play it differently. It's just the era as a whole. I just I just don't see it. It, it. This is the golden age of tennis, in my opinion. And I think I think it might have ended. I don't know if we'll ever see all three of those players, including Murray, all four of those players be healthy again together yeah. playing on the court. I just I think, you know, Federer could be really close to retiring. Nadal might still linger with injuries. And Djokovic, I'm assuming, will come back and be a little little more healthy, but you never know. You can't take it for granted at this point. So but with that being said, let's move ahead to some numbers. So we pulled up here kind of the career stats for the number of games, matches, points, everything that we're focusing on the top three, including Murray, I guess, with four here, the big four. So Feder has played in his career 234,000, rounded up, I guess, 235,000 points in tennis, 234,992. So that's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. You're like, well, what does that mean? 235K you know, tennis points. That's a lot, obviously. And then you don't even count, okay, all the practice matches, practice sets that he has. Guys played a lot of tennis in his life. Charity matches, right? So things that are unofficial, but for the official ATP and Grand Slams, 235K. So you break that up, 39,000 games uh, with 709 tie breaks. And he's played 14, uh, 1,457 matches. But if you break down the points per game, this is where it got a little interesting. So, right, some games are your service games where you can blow by them a little bit faster. Others are your opponents, maybe where you don't win as many game, as many points during the game. But on average, Federer has won 5.91 points per game. Okay, and what does that mean? I'm not really sure, right? In tennis, what does it take? Four points to win a game, right? Um, so he's winning a little bit more than that, which is telling you, you know, on average, maybe with his opponent's game and with his game, that's somewhere where he's at is a little bit more than that. And I think tie breaks might throw it off a little bit. But if you look here at the other players and compare their points per game, so you look at Djokovic, uh, well, I guess real quick too, and, and maybe it implies more deuce games because then it can obviously go further than four points winning. But so then you look at Djokovic at 6.03 points per game. Okay, not a huge difference, right? 5.91, 6.03, pretty close. And you look at Nadal, it's 6.10. So quite a bit, quite a bit more uh, different than both of the other players. So plays more points per game. Um, And then Murray is kind of where it's somewhere in the middle, 6.09. So just touch below Nadal points per game. So Federer clearly shows a little bit, a little bit more efficient, barely. So then you think, okay, what does that really mean? So I was trying to think, Federer's played 39,000 games compared to Djokovic and Nadal, who both played about 29,000 games, and Murray's only played. So then you extrapolate, okay, let's assume that Djokovic, Nadal, and Murray all get to age 40, have played about the same amount of games that Federer has had, with 39,000. And then you say, okay, based on their current rate of points per game, and again, this is maybe a bad assumption because players like Djokovic have gotten more offensive in their later years, able to be more efficient on the court and not play as much defense. But let's assume for sake of these numbers that they're going to continue to win points at the same rate per game. Then over, if they get to the same amount of games that Federer has at 39,000 points, 39,000 games, excuse me, they will have, they will have had to win an extra, looks like 1200 points for Djokovic 
an extra 2,000 for Nadal, and an extra 1,800 points for Murray. So again, still like over the course of your career, that's about 1% of your points, right? Because again, with like 200,000 points, uh, 2,000 extra points might only be like 1% or for Djokovic, it's only like 0.7%. So like, hey, does an extra 1% of points matter over your career? You know, as far as efficiency, maybe, you know, I don't really have a good answer for that. I'd be interested to see some sports science for, you know, what tennis does to the body as far as number of points. And it's probably not a linear scale, obviously. Like at some point, your body's going through so much stress, so much impact that later and later more injuries show up than early on, I'm guessing. But I don't know, Matt, kind of a lot of numbers there to, to digest. Not really sure what to make of them, but I thought it was interesting nonetheless. Any thoughts on that? No, absolutely. It is interesting to see Fed has just been able to play for so long. And so numbers are kind of hard to comprehend. Yeah, exactly. It's like such a big magnitude, but you're like, okay, he's been more efficient than these guys. He's 40 and he's still, that's that's the thing, as efficient as his game as people say, like it's not very taxing game style that he plays. Now, of course, if he's struggling with injuries, sometimes he's king because he never retires in matches. So I think this is it would even be a bigger number had he just retired, you know, like in the Hercutch match in Wimbledon. He's like, I'm injured, I'm retiring. But yeah, it's just it's just interesting to see that. Um that he's able to do that and yet still he's injured, right? And it makes you think, okay, well, what if he didn't have, you know, the story he told about drawing a bath for his kids, you know? Some people kind of doubt it. Maybe they think it was on the court, but he says that he heard a click when he was drawing a bath for his kids. Had that freak accident not happened, you know, would he have a different injury? Maybe because he would have played more, but maybe not. And so maybe it is just a, a freak accident that his tennis has played a toll on with the hard courts, but also, you know, slipped a little bit in the bathroom and heard a click on his knee. And now it's his third knee surgery, same knee. His knee obviously won't be the same ever again. Will it be good enough to play? Hopefully, at the level that he wants, probably not, right? I mean, Grand Slam tennis is pretty hard to play at that elite, elite level. So I'm not really sure, again, what to make of it, but you just got to think Nadal looking at these numbers, it's not looking good for him as far as, I think, to even make it to where Federer's at, even with the injuries he's dealing with, unless he changes his game style maybe and is a little bit more offensive, which he has also gotten a little bit more offensive, but... Djokovic, based on these numbers, didn't look like it would impact him as much. Maybe he could keep winning and do it on less points per game. But I don't know if his injuries are going to linger, right? So if there's too many unknowns, it would be interesting to see some more numbers relating to injuries in tennis. So I don't know if uh, any of our listeners know of any studies or anything like that. We should, should probably look for some of those. But I'd be interested to see the data on that. That would be interesting. But I don't know with Murray, uh, just from the eye test a little bit, it looks like he's trying to be a little bit more offensive. So I wonder if he's uh, going to try to improve that if he if he really does think he has the longevity to play more. Um, he's had some mixed results, but it'll be interesting to see how he does. Former U.S. Open champion, right? See how he does at the U.S. Open. But I think that's what we wanted to cover really on the mileage there. 39,000 games, you know, 1,500 matches for Federer. That's, that's a lot, however you, however you put it. Digest that as you will. But I think, I think Djokovic, Nadal, and Murray do have some years left in them. It's just can they make it to 40? Can they push the slam count? 
you know, and arguably they're at, at an advantage, especially Djokovic with the slam count. But um, you also don't want to destroy your body. You know, if you're you're already a multi-million dollar athlete, you do want to enjoy life with your family. I know Federer's talked about wanting to ski again and do different things. So at some point, I do think you got to walk away from the game for your own health sake. So what do you think about Matt? Do you, do you think Nadal would ever just only do the clay court season and just, just preserve his body? I mean, he kind of does it on the on the Asian uh, hard court swing. He always skips that, I feel like. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I could see it for sure. I mean, I can see him saying next year that he, I could see him skipping the Aussie Open. If this foot's really being the problem that it seems like it's being, Yeah, I could see him just sitting out until French, or at least the clay court season, right? So all the lead-ups. Yeah. But then if that happens, I could also see him trying to get into U.S. Open too towards yeah. the end. He's actually been playing pretty well at the U.S. Open the last few years. So, yeah. Australia, he can never seem to win it anymore. But uh, U.S. No. Open, he's winning it, which is which yep. is awesome. And Joke's too tired by the by that point anyway. So I was gonna say Federer and Joke for years. I mean, Joke's won a couple U.S. Opens, but I feel like for years they front load the schedule. They play well in Australia and Wimbledon, but Joke and Federer kind of peter out by U.S. Open usually. Yeah. Usually injuries. So that's another thing I wanted to bring up real quick. Remember when Djokovic was uh, catching a lot of criticism? because he played mixed doubles and he played singles in the Olympics and he wasn't even debating even going to the Olympics. I don't know if he did another event, if he did uh, just the normal male doubles, but he was kind of criticized for pulling out of his mixed doubles. I think he would have gone for a medal had he, had they won one. Um, but he basically pushed himself, spread himself too thin. A lot of his coaches and, and different critics were saying, I don't know if he should be playing this much tennis in Tokyo if he wants the calendar slam. I get going for the gold medal for singles, but going for some of these other matches and things did seem a little bit odd. And he defended it. It's like, no, Olympics is an honor. I want to play all these matches. And in, in the end, he had to pull out of the, the mixed doubles. So, again, you kind of you feel like you, you want it all. You can have it all. But I think as we've shown, you know, Federer's been really well at managing his schedule. You can't go to every match. Every tournament, even as much as you want to win them, it's just not uh, not good scheduling for the body. And I wonder if Joke's going to have to do that. He hasn't really had to do that to cut back. I wonder if he's going to start doing that at some point. Yeah, uh, Nadal, you I think have to Joke, think that something's got to give. Yeah, something's got to give. So, but Djokovic playing so well on hard courts, that's harder on your body. So I wonder if that could right. be advantage to Nadal if he's able to nurse his uh, his foot or whatever other injury he has back. Got some alerts here, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Nadal could have an advantage because clay is easier on the body if he focuses on clay. But I think we've talked enough about uh, about those guys with the mileage on their body. So let's look at let's look at who uh, who we have for the U.S. Open. <clears throat> Matt, any thoughts on the U.S. Open? Who's your favorite going in? Your personal favorite? You know, that's a yeah, good question. Bet some money. Would you bet on Djokovic? No, no, I think he's too beat up. And I think yeah. that, I don't know, I think Zverev's streaking. Medvedev has consistently played well on hard court. Um, I know he lost in Cincinnati to Rublev, is that right? Um, sorry, who did Medvedev? Yes, yes. Yeah. Medved uh, um, Rublev beat him for the first time. Mm -hmm, like four yeah. tries, I think, yeah. There you go. So, I don't know. I would probably say Medi. I mean, you got to – Yeah. Give him some respect for the hard courts. 
<clears throat> yeah, Australian Open finalist. He's a U.S. Open finalist as well. He won, uh, what, Toronto? So, yeah, Medvedev is definitely a good good stock to pick. I think he could go really far. A lot of it depends on the draw, right? If Djokovic pulls out, the draw could be more separated. If Djokovic is in it and then loses early, one of the one side of the draw could be a little bit easier, right? So we don't know how the draw is going to play out. That's a big X factor, I think. But, yeah, um, yeah I, think I, got, I think I got Zverev, even though he can be a little bit yippy on the second serve and have some <laughs> issues with that. He played so well in Cincinnati, overcoming Tsitsipas, you know, mentally beating Djokovic in the Olympics. He's playing well. He's streaking well. I do think Medvedev has an overall uh, more consistent level, but Zverev, when he takes it to that next level, it really is Grand Slam worthy. And he, remember, we forget, some people forget, he was the U.S. Open finalist last year. Team beat him. He had to come from two sets of love down to beat him. I think Zverev has what it takes now to finish that kind of match if he goes up two sets to love. But is he going to make the final? I don't know. That's going to be the hard part, right? Does he have to face a Djokovic, you know, injured or not? It still would be hard. Does he have to face Medvedev in the semis? Or uh, or does he have a cleaner draw? So I, I yeah. like Pass is fun to watch. I think he does well. I just think some sometimes in the tighter moments, he can't really close. Pass the closer. And we've talked about him before, you know, struggling to close mm-hmm. a little bit. But I, I like him. I think he's a great player. French Open finalist this year, right? So... We were kind of right last year. We've had some finalists of these young guys, but we haven't uh, haven't seen them win the major yet. So, what about yeah. Matt, What do you think about the older guys? Do you think someone like Nishikori, Del Potro, Stan? I think is still injured. Do you think someone older like that, Chilich, has a chance, or is it all about the young guys? I think it's all about the young guys. I, K's. <sighs> He's played well recently, but still. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I think, I mean, I go back. I know we always harp on these guys. As as injured as Joke looked in the Olympics, you can never count the guy out. I mean, I think the Olympics were the first time that he actually, I don't know. I mean, how many times have we had the, had these podcasts and said, oh, Joke was injured. He was dying on the court. And then, I know. He always you know, out of nowhere, he found another gear. You know, the Olympics was the first time, you know, that I've really said, whoa, you know, he's hurt and he's he's not going to be able to get over that. And so he's taking a good amount of time off now and maybe he'll be back enough to the point where he could do what he needs to in, in the U.S. Open. And he's always a threat. I don't think there's any way he pulls out unless he's... Yeah ends up in a cast or something crazy but yeah, i think he's still gonna stay in unless it's like he can't physically practice but mm-hmm. i agree with that i think he'll go out on the court pretty much no matter what because he's going for the counter slam that would be amazing if he got it but, right and i think the joke critics would say well olympics wasn't best of five try to beat Djokovic best of five but when you have physical issues best of five doesn't do you any favors right unless he can fight through it like he did in australia against uh who was it taylor uh, fritz he looked like he was just down and out and was couldn't move and then he yeah. came back and won. So well he, he looked that same way against out. yeah, against Sissy Pass and the French. He looked yeah. exhausted. True. So it's uh I think it could be interesting either way. Who okay, who here's who I actually think is maybe an X Factor more than maybe Nishikori. Chilich could be, but I don't think his serve is where it was before. I think someone like Opelka, Riley Opelka. Yeah. Maybe John Isner, a big server, because Opelka made the final of Toronto, 
And he's not just a big server. He is a good server, but he was hitting some great forehands against CT Pass and getting into some good rallies. And he won, uh, won uh, his semifinal match, which was very impressive. He did lose the final to Medvedev, who's just too solid. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying necessarily, you know, he'd be my favorite pick, but if someone like Medvedev goes down, Djokovic goes down, the, the draw opens up. I think someone like Opelka could go really, really far. Yeah, he's I got a booming game. So we'll we'll see. He he could get matched up against these guys early rounds, so you never know what's gonna happen. But <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, let's talk real quick. Uh let's get back to some numbers here. We'll look at Cincinnati specifically. So I was talking about this Vera of CT Pass match. So I'll pull up those stats here and we'll just kind of run through them. <clears throat> so this was a really fun match to watch. This was maybe one of my favorite matches this year of the non-grand slam to watch. So I watched a decent amount of it, but the level CT pass lost the first set was pretty tight. He won the second. And then the third, he was up big time, tried to serve it out two different times and couldn't. And Zvera pulled it off in a tie break. So very dramatic, very high level tennis. Um, the stats kind of show, you know, kind of a divided picture here. Uh, definitely Zvera was more solid um, on the break points being saved. He was looked pretty clutch there. Their first serve points, one, were both pretty solid at around 71% for Zverev, 73% for Tsitsipas. So what you'd expect on a hard court, that's pretty solid numbers. Second serve for both guys was a little bit dismal, 33% for Zverev and 38% for Tsitsipas. But Zverev served at a very high first serve percentage at 75%. Tsitsipas only 63%. So Zverev got broken, or sorry, Zverev broke more than Tsitsipas did, and ultimately that's, that's what got him the match, even though it was a tiebreak in the end. So um, super close. The points, they won the exact same amount of points. Um, but Tsitsipas, I think, was a little luckier. It showed kind of the numbers here. was Zverev was a little more dominant. There's a dominance ratio there, points uh, 1.04 to 96% or 0.96 for Tsitsipas. So, yeah, overall, really fun match to watch. The numbers don't show anything too crazy, except for they won pretty much the same exact amount of points. But <laughs> it was more you know, watching the rallies unfold and in the contrasting styles was really fun to watch, but yeah, both guys serving well. And Zverev, like I said, if he's serving well and he's not double faulting too much, watch out for him. I think he could do really well. He aced Tsitsipas quite a bit uh, more than I'm used to seeing. So watch out for Zverev. Yeah. And I think that's the key though, is that first serve has to be on point. He's played clean. I mean, he played clean in Cincinnati and Yep. 130 mile an hour serves. If you're getting that in and he's placing it well, which he was (laughs) against Tsitsipas, it's going to be hard to break him. And that's, that's what was happening. So um, that's That's pretty much what I got on that match. But while we're talking Zverev, let's talk the, uh, the Olympics. So I got, got that stat pulled up here against Djokovic in particular. So overall, uh, Zverev only won 65% of first serve points. That's remember, uh, you know, in the seventies would have been better for a, for hardcore, he won uh, second serve 47%. So not too shabby, better than against CT Boss, but the first serve wasn't exactly there. He didn't double fault too much, which was good for him. And he saved a lot more break points. And ultimately on the return, this is where it really showed. He won 44% of return points against Djokovic, who's really you know, shown to be very offensive on the first serve. Djokovic only won 35% of return points overall. So that's kind of really all you need to know. And really, even though Zvera played well, he was solid. It was really just Djokovic level just wasn't there. And so I think it shows whether it was the injuries, 
maybe plus the mental fatigue from playing too much, really gave Zverev the edge. He was able to up his game, and Djokovic didn't go to the extra gear. So the numbers weren't anything too earth-shattering except for seeing Zverev return like he did against a weaker Djokovic serve. So that's pretty much what I got from the Olympics. I didn't get to watch too much, but that's kind of from the highlights. Um, what you could see is Zverev was able to up his level, and Djokovic wasn't there to to respond, really. I mean, Zverev beat him 6-1 in the third, right? I mean, Djokovic did have a 6-1 set in the first, 6-3 for Zverev in the second, but it was a 6-1 in the third. I mean, it's pretty, pretty overwhelming uh, victory in the third set. So, Yep, absolutely. That's what I got for you on that one. And then just real quick, we'll look at the Medvedev, Rublev. These guys are so fun, and it's such a, such a tight match. When Rublev lost the first set, you go, that's what usually happens. It's super, super tight. Medvedev usually always wins. But then Rublev was able to reel off two sets in a row. His forehand, the way he hits that forehand, is just he bludgeons it. And it was just it was crazy to see Rublev win. I'm looking at the numbers. He only won 32% of his second serve points won to Medvedev's 48%. So you look at that number alone. If I saw those two numbers, I would have said Medvedev wins in a heartbeat. But that's not what happened. Um Rublev had a very high first serve percentage, 71%, and he was able to back up his first serve really well at 73%, better than Medvedev did at 67%. So, you know, Medvedev was more solid in the longer rallies and then the second serve points won, but on that first strike tennis, which Rublev was able to get in enough first serves to survive, and it showed he was he was pretty dominant um, as the match wore on. You could kind of tell he had the edge, which usually Medvedev has his number. He's a little bit too solid. So, Again, I don't know if this necessarily means he'd be the favorite to beat Medvedev in New York. I don't think so, but it just shows if he's hitting his game, you know, uh, if he's hitting his serves well and having his game dialed in, he's got the offensive tennis. He can upset some people. And I really was disappointed. I thought Rublev was going to gonna beat Fuskovic and actually give Djokovic a run for his money at Wimbledon. But again, he lost the previous match, wasn't able to get there in the quarters. But Rublev is a danger. He's a dangerous player, so... Watch out for him if he's serving and hitting the forehand well. But Medvedev is solid. So, uh, like you're saying, I think we could see Medvedev go far too. But it'll be good. I think we'll have a new or a, a non big three winner. Yeah, I think so too. And like you're saying, really, for, you know, Stan won't be there. I think the only slam winners could be Chilich and Del Potro. And I don't think they're playing the levels they need to to win. So <clears throat> I could see a new. New slam winner. Team won't be there to defend his title because of his wrist injury. So, um, yeah, pretty excited as well. I think it's a wide open draw. But yeah, that's that's what we got for you today. We, uh, as always, please visit us at cognitionsphere.com. Our theme music is brought to us by Kevin McLeod with the excerpts from his song "Cool Rock." And as always, share their uh, podcast with a friend that loves tennis, and write a quick review if you have time. And until next time, we'll see you on the court.